The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, really, our show is about wisdom, okay, and the wisdom that we gain with life and experience. And we are welcoming back a guest that we had on just about three years ago. His name is Charles Garfield, and we talked to him about life's last gift. That was the name of his previous book. His new book, which is really wonderful, is called Our Wisdom Years, Growing Older with Joy, Fulfillment, Resilience, and No Regrets. How is that? It's a great title, and it's got some wonderful exercises in it, which Lloyd, you and I are going to have to do all these exercises. <laughs> but anyway, let me tell you, if you missed our previous interview with Charles, let me tell you a little bit about him. Charles Garfield is a psychologist, professor, and lecturer, and the author of 12 books, including the one I just said, Life's Last Gift and Our Wisdom Years. He has been recognized internationally as the founder of the Shanti Project, a widely acclaimed AIDS and Cancer Service Organization. You can find out more about that at Shanti, S-H-A-N-T-I dot org. Um, he's done this for more than 40 years, and he's pioneered the development of healthcare and social service-oriented volunteer organizations in a wide variety of settings. Um, a clinical professor of psychology in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of California of Medicine, uh, School of Medicine in San Francisco for nearly four decades and a fellow of the American Psychological Association. He's currently a research scholar at the Star King School for the Ministry at the Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley, California. Charles has lectured widely, addressing audiences that include a Clinton White House conference, the U.S. Olympic Committee, and head coaches of Olympic sports, and the leadership of Oklahoma City following the bombing of the city's federal building. You can find out more about him at conflicthealing.com, where we have his picture, his bio, JPEG of his book, but also at charlesgarfield.com. Charles, thanks for coming back on our show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So how come you wrote this book now? You, you talked about in the last one, Life's Last Gifts, really important things. But this one's a little bit different. Tell us why you decided to write this book. Well, this was intensely personal. I'm 75 years old now, and I realized that things were getting different. 
<laughs> things were changing. And I realized also in talking to all my friends who were of a similar age, over 60, that is, that they, uh, they also said that things were changing, that there was a new stage of life happening. And I wanted to get clear on what that was. So I decided to do uh, several years' worth of research with people who are over 60. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, sometimes my my husband would say that the youth is wasted on the young. <laughs> you know, if sometimes he says, you know, what of the wisdom that we've learned now, if we only knew it when we were younger, just think about all the years that we might have had to, to make these dynamic changes in the world. That's, that's, but I guess it's meant to be when it's meant to be. There's no doubt about that. I mean, yeah. young people do what they're supposed to do. Right. Uh, success, achievement, performance climbing the ladder, doing the kinds of things that we tell them to do, that the, that the culture and the society tell them to do. Right. But when we hit 60, things are different. The priorities shift. The priorities change a great deal. Yes. And, you know, I really um, found your first chapter where you talk about, you know, assembling a console. Um, you talk about here the, the convene an inner console of advisors. Let's talk about them, because I thought that was interesting. It reminded me of, was it Think and Grow Rich or some one of the books that I read about having a counselor of advisors, but they were different than you have. <laughs> so can, can we talk about those three? The first one was um, actually death, <laughs> right? The, well, the first one is uh, our, our wise self, the wisest part of ourselves. Okay. And especially when we get older, that wisest part of ourselves tends to focus on two things people we love and who love us and work that we're most proud of work that made a difference so that wise self really guides us in the areas of love and work mm -hmm. um, we also talk about death as an advisor yes yes one of the things that uh, everybody over a certain age will tell you is that they're more aware of a limited lifespan they're more aware that they may, not, they may not have all the time in the world. And what does that mean? You know, how do you want to use the time that you have left? What's the best use of your life now that it may be uh, fewer years than when you were young? I know when I look at, at you know, I, <laughs> I look at obituaries and I'm seeing, you know, now more and more people are living into their 90s and even over 100. And I'm thinking, Okay, you know, because sometimes people say, well, Mari, you know, are you really going to do this now at your age, you know? And I'm thinking, well, if I look at these obituaries, you know, I, I probably have, you know, maybe 15, 20, 25 years left. So isn't that an, enough to do make a change in the world? <laughs> so, you know, that's, I mean, it's true. You kind of look at it like, oh, my gosh, how much time do I have to do this? Well, it's true. You know, the reason I called the book Our Wisdom Years is that it's a specific stage of development now. Uh, the fastest growing group in the country are people over 100. So if you're 60, you may have, you could conceivably have 40 more years. Yeah. No guarantee, but... Uh, right, right. But, you know, if you're 75 like I am, I might have 25 more years. Right. That is definitely a stage of life, and it's enough time to do all sorts of things and to, uh, to really focus on what matters most in your life. Yes. And I think, you know, for young people listening to this, 
um, you never know when it's your time. I just interviewed a woman just now, right before you, and she she lost her son at age 27 by some freak medical thing. So, you know, you could be 27 and pass. You know, it could be a car accident, it be anything. So, you know, if you really think about it, yes, you know, you haven't had as many uh, years of experience, at least in this type lifetime, maybe in a previous lifetime, but in this lifetime. And, you know, if you really want to make a difference in your life and a legacy and, uh, you know, think about it now at any time of course those of us who are you know over 60 think of it like like you were saying like how much time do we have left what's really important what is life really about right absolutely you know you you use the word legacy which is really a powerful word for me there's a whole chapter in the book on legacy yes i saw that and what it really refers to is what do you want to leave behind What do you want to communicate to your children, your grandchildren, other people's children, other people in general? What do you want to leave behind that mattered most to you? Uh, And I suggest that people write a a legacy letter to their grandchildren or any other child. doesn't have to be their own. Uh, could be any other person about what values were most important to you in your life. Talk about the things that that you found were most critical and most important that you want to leave behind the lessons you want to leave right and it may not be a grand thing it doesn't have to be a big thing it can be uh the 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 personal lessons that you value the most and legacy turns out to be really important for people over 60 that people who are younger never even think about right Exactly. And, you know, there are some people who are, are uh, there's a, there's people who actually do videos of this. You know, now you could do that on your, you know, on your smartphone or on Zoom or whatever, but you can do a, a legacy video. If you don't want to write it, you can just say it. Say, you know, kids, this is what was really important to me in my life. This is the lesson I learned. This is what I am leaving for you. Maybe you'll have this lesson, and here's some of the things that I want to give to you from my heart and soul and, and maybe from my <laughs> my finances. But it's it's kind of nice to be able to even do it if you're not someone that can sit down and write. You can at least do it on a video, and then they can, you know, I wish my parents would have done that for me. You know, I would have loved to be able to see them when they're gone and um, and have this from them. But, of course, reading it also would be beautiful. I mean, I love to read my mother's poetry that she wrote, you know, because that's something special. But, yeah, it's so important when you're talking about legacy. You can't emphasize it more, more importantly than that. I mean, that, whether you do it on video I have audio tapes because there wasn't video available at the time when my parents died. Uh, prior to that point, I, I knew that they were in bad health, and I really wanted to sit them down and ask them all sorts of questions about their lives. And I really value those audio tapes. I listen to them, and I hear the voices of my parents. It brings them back to life. Yes, beautiful. So you talked, so the third one, what's the third one? We talked about um, the first one was um, the wise self, self, then death. Then death. And the third one is the the parts of your adult self that you want to maintain, that you want to continue. You know, there are the lessons learned over a long arc of your life that you want to have in uh, the wisdom years. And so 
I don't. Uh, I would never say become somebody completely different. You couldn't do that anyway. But there's your adult self that that has wisdom to offer for later life, and uh, the uh, main part of that uh, experience with the adult self has to do with what do you want to be doing in later life. It's not about climbing a ladder anymore. It's not about achieving and making lots of money and doing all the things that may have been important earlier. But you do want to do things. What what activities are most important to you? I'll give you an example. My parents met in an acting class after high school. My father was the lead man, and he always wanted to be an actor, but it was the Depression, mm. and it wasn't a good choice for a career because you couldn't right. make a living at it. Right. So he, he went into sales for 40 years. As soon as he retired, within weeks of his retirement, he joined an acting troupe, oh, ended cute. up as the lead man again, <laughs> and loved it. Yeah. He enjoyed it so much. That's what he wanted to do with his uh, wisdom years. Um, what do you want to do? What do I want to do? What do anybody over 60, how do you mm. want to spend your time doing the things that fulfill you the most? Right. So what do you want to do, Charles? I want to write. Yeah. I write. I love, I love writing. I love putting together a book that really is beneficial to people. Mm. When I think of what happened, uh, what's happening with our wisdom years, I'm amazed. Uh, it is, it's doing extraordinarily well in a very difficult time during, in our country. Mm. and uh, getting all sorts of responses from from directions I never would have guessed. Amazon, for instance, picked, picked it as its number one book in the aging and social sciences category. How beautiful. I mean, I feel tremendously grateful for that. Congratulations, yeah. Thank you. So you know, what I want to be doing to answer your question mm. is I wanna, I'm going to write until I have nothing more to say. And that's probably never going to happen, right? I bet that's true. <laughs> I, I always have some ideas for a book. <laughs> even even if it's not even a book, I remember uh, Wayne Dyer who wrote, I don't know if you know who Wayne Dyer is, but sure. he wrote for many, many years. And I remember going and seeing him in person, him saying that he wrote, I can see clearly now, which was about his life, kind of looking back, the lessons he learned. And then if somebody said, is that going to be your last book? And he goes, I don't know. You know, I mean, you just start writing and it it can write itself, right? I mean, you've written before, I've written five books, so you never know. I would say for me, after so many years of helping people to resolve conflict, that I want to leave as my legacy ways to prevent escalating conflict so that people can deal with conflict and see it as a gift in disguise, and so for me, it would be writing and speaking and training and, you know, a new podcast or whatever. But that's, you know, because I'm, I'm over 70 now. So I, you know, that's, that's kind of where I want to go with my life is that's what greater gift can I give to the world than to help them not to have escalating conflict that turns into wars and anger and lawsuits and all that horrible stuff. So... That's that's kind of where I would love to do. I don't know how I'm going to get there to be able to do it all, but I guess I'm starting, right? Yeah. Well, absolutely, and you're clear about it. Well, that's the most important thing. You were able to articulate it beautifully. Uh, 
other people start at the beginning and they're not so sure what, how they want to spend their time. And it doesn't have to be doing a book or doing anything grand and glorious. Yeah. It, it may be giving advice to your grandchildren. That may be what you're interested in spending your right. time doing. Right, right. It, it can be anything that fulfills you, anything that gives you joy and fulfillment. Right. And I think I think it, writing that out, like, what do I love to do and what am I good at? You know, I think people sometimes forget that they it's okay to love to do something and then do it. Like you said, your dad with the acting or my dad with the piano or, you know, I have another friend who never played the piano in her life and she's retired now and she was a professional speaker and (laughs) and now she's doing piano and she's having the best time of her life learning how to play the piano. So, you know, I think you're right. I mean, it's like, what have you always wanted to do and you haven't had time to do it or you haven't really allowed yourself to do it, right? Absolutely. You know, it's, there are so many exercises in the book in our wisdom years that uh, really speak to identifying for yourself what's the best use of your life now that you've passed 60. What is the best use of your life? And it may surprise the, the it may surprise people when they uh, when they do the exercises. Things come up that they never would have dreamed of. Well, a friend of mine who was was a school teacher her whole life, retired, didn't know what she wanted to do, and she took a a, a painting class just on a whim. Took a painting class and realized that she had some real aptitude as a painter. Now she paints. She does beautifully. It's really wonderful works of art. And she hands them out as gifts to people who are friends of hers. Yeah. And uh, she she loves doing that. It all came it almost almost by accident, although I don't really believe in accidents. Right, right. It was, it was almost serendipity. It was like an, an accident that happened that she just on a whim decided to take that class. But she had some affinity for it, right? She decided she it might be fun, right? So That's the fact it, that it might be fun and she took it, was really this unconscious talent that she had. Which she didn't know about. She did do it on a whim. <laughs> she, did, she did it because it looked interesting. What, right. What looks, the, my, my advice to people who are listening is, what looks interesting to you? Right. What, it doesn't have to be practical anymore. You don't have to climb a ladder and be a success. Right. It just has to be interesting to you. Right. I also have a friend who, who when she retired, she uh, just took a couple classes in art. And she, she also has become like this incredible artist. So, you know, I mean, all these wonderful things that people can do that they, they never thought of instead of just, you know, sitting around doing nothing or like thinking, okay, I'm going to wait for myself to, to get sick and die, right? I, I think that's what the beauty is, recognizing that even, in, you know, if you retire, you can do something new or if you don't want to retire. I don't see me retiring ever, you know, to be honest with you. I just see myself uh, hopefully evolving. And, and let's say even if you don't want to do something like a class or something, you can read and you can, like, enjoy novels and and all sorts of new learning activities. Learn how to do, uh, you know, some people will say, oh, well, I don't know how to use the computer. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to use my phone. So take a class at a community college, right? Absolutely. And when my uh, mother retired, she did something very interesting. She always wanted to, to get a doctorate like I have. 
She said, I can get a doctorate, too. I just didn't have the opportunity. So as soon as she retired, she wandered around the UC Berkeley, University of California, Berkeley campus. Wow. Sat in on classes, developed a curriculum for herself. She never had to do papers or take exams. She just sat down. Nobody, and I said, nobody minded that you attended the class? That <laughs> nobody kicks out a little old lady. <laughs> and she did it. She actually she fulfilled her life stream of getting that doctorate. It was her own doctorate. It wasn't anything formal. Right. But she, she loved it, and she learned and learned and learned. That's, that's wonderful and so good for our brain, too. Absolutely. So why, why does some of the most profound growth in our lives really happen after 60. Why is that? Because that's when the wisdom starts. That's when we start reflecting on life, our lives, the lives of people we know and love, and the wisdom that of all of those years starts accumulating. We become more reflective. We become more introspective. We start thinking about things more, thinking of the long arc of our life. And rather than being so busy with to-do lists and calendars and racing around, from one appointment to another, we sit still more, and we're able to realize what matters, what really matters in life. That's that's why the book was called Our Wisdom Years, because wisdom is the primary characteristic. Right. So what do you think about in our society? You know, we don't really honor the old like they do, for example, in the Asian societies. There is much of a, you know, we revere people in the Asian societies for their wisdom and what they, you know, go to them. But often I see is that people who are older are not given the kind of reverence and uh, that I think, you know, they kind of go, oh, you know, they're older. They don't understand it. They don't, they're not with it. What do you say to that? I say that it's a, a very limited conception of the lifespan. I think what, what, what it assumes is that older people are supposed to be achievers the same way as younger people are. That's not what old age is supposed to be about. That's not what the wisdom years are supposed to be about. Uh, it's supposed to be about what matters truly in life. What are the higher values? What about love and compassion and gratitude and forgiveness and beauty and justice? Those are what the final years of life are really supposed to be about. It's not about climbing a ladder anymore. Uh, the, the, the later years in the Asian cultures and in other indigenous cultures uh, are really about the wisdom keepers. They're the people who keep the wisdom of the tribe or the society. That's what we need to develop in this, in this country and, and in Western countries. That's, uh, that's essentially one of the not-so-hidden not reasons why I wrote the book. I, I want to redeem uh, elderhood, the later years, or wisdom years, right. and, and allow people some clarity about all that older people can provide. Right. Exactly. So, you know, one of the things you say in your subtitle, but I'm going to just say the name of your book again so people can hear it, are wisdom years, growing older with joy, fulfillment, resilience and no regrets. I love that one, no regrets. Um, you know, how can we retrieve forgiveness or neglected part of ourselves? I know some people um, can't forgive. You know, they remember things that happened to them 20 years ago and they still won't talk to their cousin or that person or whatever. 
why you are, you know, being a psychologist, why don't you explain why it's so important? You have a whole bunch in your book about that, about forgiveness. There's an enormous amount of forgiveness. There's a chapter on it, and I'd like what I'd like everybody listening to know is that they can write a forgiveness letter. You can write a forgiveness letter to yourself. You can write a forgiveness letter to someone else. You don't even have to mail it. Right. You might want to, but you don't even have to mail it. You just want to externalize. You want to get it down on paper. Talk about all those things that you wish were different, that you did the best you could considering who you were at the time and what you knew at the time. You couldn't have done any better, that you're sorry. If, if you did something, you're sorry. If somebody else did something to you, that you forgive them. What you don't want to have happen, the worst possible outcome is to be on your deathbed and wish that you had fixed, mended some of those estranged relationships. We see that often. People say when they have very limited time, I wish I had reached out to my cousin or my brother or, right. or a friend. <clears throat> I mm-hmm. wish I would have done that. Be the one who reaches out. Be the, you be the one who reaches out. Don't wait for the other person. Yeah, and for me, you know, I deal with people in conflict and especially people in divorce, and I tell them how important forgiveness is because forgiveness, if you don't forgive someone, you're chained to the past. It's your, it's like that old adage that says um, when you can't forgive someone, it's like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, forgiveness really is for yourself to be free, right? So when the people are on their deathbed, like you were talking about, I wish I would have done it. It's because it, it kind of is, you're chained to that past to let. You're chained to the past and you're chained to the the version of it that was true when you were 25 or 35 or 45, but looks differently now. Right. In, in, the, in your wisdom years, you have more insight into what actually happened and what you might have contributed to it. It may not have been the other person's fault entirely. It probably had to do with both of you. Um, you can let go of it by writing that forgiveness letter. Right, right. And sometimes <clears throat> you can forgive someone for for hurting you, and you can ask for forgiveness and say, if you never meant to hurt the person, that's another thing. They're mad. At, I have a friend who's been kind of mad at me for something that she thought that I did. And so it's a matter of me saying, I'm sorry that you felt that I did this. I didn't mean to come across as I did that. But I'm sorry if you felt that way, because that was not my intent. And at least people get to hear that forgiveness. It's 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 you know it's a way of giving something up for yourself, giving giving it up, giving up that resentment that we don't want to die with that re, the regret or the resentment. How about gratefulness? How important is that? It's extremely important. One of it's probably the word, along with forgiveness, the two words I probably heard the most in the interviews with older people were gratitude and forgiveness. We talked about forgiveness, but but gratefulness or gratitude is really a very important thing. Uh, I always ask people to write down what are you most grateful for in your life. Mm. Not don't make a long list. Not a list of ten or twelve things. What are the three things you're most grateful for? Mm. The things that you really have to think through to to get on your list. And uh, 
you see people talk about a dozen things that they're grateful for, and none of them really resonate all that much, or a few of them uh, may be more important than others. But uh, you see people writing long, long to-do lists. It's one more task to do. <laughs> I talk about gratitude fatigue, <laughs> where people are making all these long lists that they're never going to do anything with. Right, right. What you, what you want is not only to make a list, but you want to you want to make sure that that what you're grateful for. That the people, if it's a person, that they know it. Make right. sure you tell them that how grateful you are. Right. And if it's an activity, make sure you engage in it more fully. Uh, make sure it affects your life. Make sure gratitude affects your life. Right. I think that's like when you're talking about a person, you know, to, you know, I'm so grateful that I have the husband I have now, and I'm always telling him that. I'm so grateful for you. You know, you're such a good person. I'm so lucky to have you in my life. And I don't ever want to go some, be, leave this planet without him knowing that, you know. So that's a perfect time for us to end. Thank you so much, Charles Garfield. We, uh, and his website is charlesgarfield.com. And the name of his book, Our Wisdom Years, Growing Older with Joy, Fulfillment, Resilience, and No Regrets. Thank you. We sure appreciate you coming back on, Charles, and we'll have you back again for your next book, okay? Thank you so much. I look forward to it. Okay, bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 830 and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks.